agree on some things. Father, you are truly, truly great. Lord, we long that our eyes would be opened to truly see all that we have in you, all that you've done for us. And as compared with the worries of this world and the things that may come, Lord, they do not compare to your glory. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. We join with the angels in singing your praise. Is it not just a, a dress rehearsal, but a reality right now, but a sign also of things to come. Blessed be your name, Lord. Father, we ask for the pouring out of your spirit in our country, Lord. As they have that justice conference later next month, Lord, for a move of your spirit to be there, Lord. Because there are, there are the plans of men and women, but it's the plans of God that we seek, Lord, for this country. Lord, may your glory be seen in this place. The glory of your name. All God's people said? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thanks, Joe. Good morning, everyone. Um, so if, just to explain quickly, if you um, have kids here, we have a DVD in the den for um, children. You can sit in. You're welcome to our intern. Josh will be supervising that. And um, if you do not want your kid to watch um, a DVD, there is a, a, the room at the end of the passageway is open, but then you will just need to supervise your children. Or you are welcome to stay in because I think the, re the message today is quite relevant and it's going to not be too long. In fact, I made a record in the, at the 8 o'clock service. Um, I came back from maternity leave and you think everything would be working well. And there was a new clock at the back and I thought, fantastic. And so I was looking at it. I didn't follow my own watch. And then I thought, wow, I'm running late. And so I sped it up a bit. And then it turned out this watch is, I don't know who sets, obviously someone who doesn't enjoy the preaching because it's 2015 to 20 minutes fast. So I finished at 9 o'clock. You can imagine the tea and coffee people loved me because the, nothing had been heated and made. Um, so we finished at 9 o'clock. It was a record mammoth um, kind of 8 o'clock service. Um, but I actually, I think today's message is a short and sharp one. Um, it is quite simple. So when I looked at the, the preaching roster and I saw my name there, and it's loving your enemies, and I thought, wow, that's a fantastic topic. <laughs> one that we all don't really love to hear about. But um, I love the fact that we're doing a series on the Sermon on the Mount, and I love the fact that Jesus took people up onto a mountain to teach them. I don't know if you enjoy cycling, mountain biking, whatever, running, um, but something that when I was running more, I've um, so had to put that on hold for a while while I've been pregnant, but, um, but back in the day, I was quite, um, I wanted to do the mast challenge, and if you know the mast challenge, you can run up to the Takai mast. So the race day came, I was quite fit at the time, was quite impressed with myself because I made it to the top to the mast, and as I was coming down, because the only time you your run up, I saw some people that had started with me and they were coming up on a bicycle. And then I realized that the race was king of the mountain. You could only call yourself king or queen of the mountain if you ran up, ran down, cycled up, cycled down. And so then I felt like quite a failure. So I didn't have a mountain bike, but the minute that we got one, um, John and I both got one together. I never used cleats before and I decided I wanted to get up to the mast on my bike so I could give myself the title of 
queen of the mountain, even if it wasn't the race. And so we made a few attempts to get up to the mast. The first one was horrific. I never used cleats before and decided that mountain biking uphill was going to be the time that I would learn how to use them. So I kind of hooked in and I would go and I'd be going around. I think I've fallen around every corner on the Takai track because I would go around the corner, lose momentum and just tip. And so I had constant bruises up and down my legs. Um, the next attempt, we just took too long. It was after work and the mist started coming up, so we went down. And then the perfect day came where it was a clear day in Cape Town. Um, it was an afternoon. John and I hit it and we got to the top. And the one thing that just struck me was just standing. Um, I don't know if it was at the top or along the route, but I just remember looking over um, our little area where we live, the valley, and just everything started to make sense. Oh, that road led there, that hooked up there, that, oh, okay, it makes sense. And you can just see this beautiful perspective. And I love that Jesus takes people onto a mountain to teach them and give them a godly perspective of life. I don't think that would have been lost on them, just seeing where they lived. And this is the, the mount where they would have had the Sermon on the Mount and just looked down onto and just seen things from a different perspective and to be taught a different way of living. And I think that is so beautiful. And so we're going to be looking at, at um, loving your enemies. And it is a tough topic, but I thought, you know, it's springtime and it's spring. I love to spring clean my house and throw things out and kind of open my eyes to the blind spots in the home and the things that are just sitting there. Now, we're going to be spring cleaning our relationships today and just looking at ones that maybe just need a little bit of attention and a little bit of cleaning up. And I was thinking about, you know, often in the world, if we talk about spring cleaning relationships, it's often getting rid of toxic relationships. It's kind of like a bit of an Oprah, you know, thing, get those people out your life. But you know, as Christians, we don't have that luxury. That's not a command to just get people out of your life. We need to push through and neaten up those relationships. So we're going to be looking at how we do that. Matthew 5, verse 43 to 48 says, you have, heard it, um, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I know that loving your enemies has become a bit of a Christian cliche. Even non-Christians know the commandment, and they know that you, if you claim to be a Christian, you should be loving your enemies. So it's something that has become a bit of a, we've heard it so many times before, probably since if you grew up in Sunday school, probably since the time you were little. And um, the problem is it's become a cliche, and we've actually become quite well known at being hypocrites in this department um, as Christians, because we, as Christians, still have enemies, we still treat people badly, we still gossip about others, we still don't include people into our lives that we should. Um, we have people that we kind of think, well, you're the enemy, you need to stay away. And so we are no different to the world. And 
We also just love good stories of revenge, if I can have that slide up. And um, I don't know about you, but I love a good story of revenge. They say that revenge is a dish best served cold. They also say that revenge is sweet. So basically, revenge is ice cream. <laughs> I like that. But I actually like this other one more. This guy was getting irritated in the coffee shop um, with some people who were next to him, obviously loud and a little bit irritating. And they were coming up with the perfect name for their company. So straight away, he went and bought the domain name. So. Um, I remember also reading a story years ago, and it stuck in my mind because I thought it was quite clever, and people are very creative when they want revenge. So I've heard some amazing ones, but the one I remember was of a girl, and she got dumped in a horrible way by a guy just before the summer holidays, and he had a new girlfriend that he was going off on summer holiday with, and he lived somewhere kind of Woodstock Observatory, that area. And if you know those houses, a lot of them have those big old doors with the, where you can pop the letters through. So what she did is she collected a whole lot of fleas, put them in an envelope, popped it through the door, and then just left it for the summer to brew. And you can imagine the fleas that was in this man's home. <laughs> and revenge is sometimes when you hear those stories, you're like, yo, why didn't I think of that? It's like music to our ears. <laughs> and, <laughs> but, um, but actually, it shouldn't be. God's words should be like music to our ears when he speaks about forgiveness and loving our enemies. And so we're going to just be looking at that. And, and this would have been a hard message for people to hear in those days too, because what was do, they were kind of fudging with scriptures and with God's truth and twisting it to suit them. And what has happened is that um, where you see those words where it starts, you have heard it, that it was said, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. That's, that wasn't actually in Scripture, but it was something that was spoken about. And what had happened is that the Israelites had defined their neighbors just fellow Israelites. So love your fellow Israelites and love them only. So you don't actually need to love those who aren't Israelites. And so you know when, when um, the man comes to Jesus and asks him, when Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, the Bible actually tells us that he was asking Jesus to justify himself. And so maybe in their heart of hearts, people did actually know that what they were doing was wrong, you know, hating their enemies. Um, but they still, they almost had this, this kind of right to because that's what they were being taught. And so Jesus actually levels the playing fields, and he says, you know what, this is, this is who your neighbor is. It's actually anyone who needs love. Anyone who you pass along the way who needs a helping hand, that is your neighbor. And so Jesus corrects that straight away. Then also what they would do is they would use other scriptures and twist them where, where Jesus had kind of... Um, I mean, well, we, God was giving instructions to, to kind of fight evil and take evil on. And they were taking those as instructions and permission to hate enemies. So, for example, Deuteronomy 7 verse 2 says, You must destroy them totally, make no treaty with them, and show them no mercy. But that had to do with God's hatred for evil. It had nothing to do with God's um, response and a godly response to people. Even in the Old Testament, there were instructions to love people in a certain way, but these seem to have been forgotten. The Old Testament spoke about loving your neighbors. If you look at Leviticus 19, verse 17 to 18, it says, Do not hate your brother in your heart. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against the other one of your people, but love your neighbor as you love yourself. So there it is, very clearly written. I'm not sure how they missed that. Also in Exodus, um, it speaks about doing good to your enemies. So not just your neighbors, but doing good to your enemies. Exodus 23, if you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to take it back to him. 
If you see the donkey of someone who hates you fallen down under its load, do not leave it there. Be sure you, you help him with it. And in Proverbs 25, it says, If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. So you see, there are no, there are no exclusions there. And, and it is, it's a clear mandate already from the Old Testament. Um, but, you know, we, we can sometimes be similar to, to these people, and we can kind of um, fudge these truths, and we can kind of give ourselves exclusions. Yes, but this person wrecked my life. You know, they made us lose our family home because they, you know, did this to me in business, and, and you don't understand my situation. And we, we kind of give ourselves these allowances. And we need to realize that these scriptures are for us today. And I think that if we have any, there's just kind of one basic goal, and it's to love your enemies and make right with your enemies. And if you hear this, and straight away a name comes into your mind, a person, um, someone that you know just gives you that response, then, then this is for you. And the response this week is to go and make right. So I'm telling you that for right from the beginning. So when it comes to spring cleaning, though, Firstly, we've taken the, our blinkers off, and we need to think about that. Actually, if you've got any blind spots, if there's someone that maybe you've even just covered over and forgotten about them, maybe God's going to bring names into your head this morning, and you need to take your blinkers off. It's the first thing we do when we're spring cleaning is look at the mess. Then the next thing we need to do is we need to look at how we can clean our mess up. How do we clean up these messy relationships? And um, I prepared this, and then I was looking at a, a book that um, Nikki Gumbel did on the Beatitudes, and he had five punchy points. So I've made these the five pillars. I haven't copied all, but I have copied his wording, um, and because I just like the points and punchy little sayings stick in my head. So his first point was speak graciously. And when I think about speaking graciously, it's showing God's grace in certain situations. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes, um, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And for me, that just speaks of, and just giving grace in situations, for me just means right now today, draw a line in the sand and say it stops here. And I've done that in my own life where my heart just was battling with certain people. And I actually just made a head decision straight away, actually this had to stop. And it was amazing how when I just did that, and I just went, I'm cutting this right now, my heart caught up, my life caught up, and I was able to forgive and it was someone who didn't even know that I had something against them, and I just needed to do something in my heart. So sometimes showing God's grace is just being God in a situation, calling a truce, and just being like a healing balm. And I just think it's such a beautiful picture. Romans 12, verse 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And I think sometimes it can be different for us. I mean, I think that the, the people that are sitting here and I think we've all been in a situation where there have been people that we have hurt and the people who have hurt us. And so you can, sometimes when it comes to having enemies, you can be on either side of it. And maybe you've got both in your life at the moment, but either way, you are called to show grace. And that might look, it might manifest differently. For the person who you have wronged, you might need to go and just in a very humble way, have a conversation with them and ask for forgiveness. For someone who's hurt you and done something against you, you might be sitting down and just having that conversation and just saying, I release you, you know, I forgive you. And so that's what it means to just speak graciously. It's showing God's grace in these situations. 
then after speaking graciously, the next thing we can do is respond kindly. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. And as Christians, we can sometimes um, comfort ourselves with a kind of Christian karma. And so, you know, karma, it's just, it's going to come back to kind of bite you. And, and, and in Christian circles, we kind of think, oh, just leave them to the Lord. You know, the Lord's going to deal with them. And, and we're hoping like, oh, I hope the Lord deals with you harshly. And, um, and it's kind of like a Christian karma or karma light, you know. So we give ourselves these allowances and we just go, oh, leaving you in God's hands. And what we're really hoping is that bad will come unto them. And that's, that's not godliness and that's not his kindness. That instruction is to love your enemies, not even like like is quite nice. So it's just, I, I like chocolate. I like coffee. I like my shoes. Whatever. I, that's what I like. But, but what I love is I love my family. I love my friends. I love my husband. And now the Bible's telling me I need to love my enemies. Can you see the difference? We're being called to be kind to our enemies, to actually want the best for them. Psalm 34 verse 14 says, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And we need to step out every day as people of peace, showing kindness. Something that was a great testimony to me as a child, I didn't know um, what certain family members had done to my father. He just had a, a habit of trying to help, and he was just one of those families. He moved into South Africa from Egypt and had just slowly sent money across, and when he got here, his money had gone. He was saving money with someone else in Egypt, and also that money was gambled away. And there were all these people who had kind of um, it meant that he never got to study at university. There was someone else's studies that he funded, and the deal was that they would then fund his, and that person forgot about the deal. And these were all family members, and there were people that we grew up loving. I didn't realize, I only found out when I was older, these stories. And for me, it just showed just the way that God loves, where he didn't forgive, and it just, it just meant that my father's life has taken a completely different route. He didn't get to do what he wanted to in work. He didn't get to study what he wanted to. He didn't even in, get to enjoy having a comfortable life when he first moved to South Africa. But you know, my father has something more real. He has his faith, his love. He's one of the most gracious, forgiving men. And all of a sudden, when I understand that, that those people came and stayed in our home and he never treated them differently, they were loved and forgiven. And that was kindness for me. And so that's such an amazing, amazing role model for me of just God's kindness. So speak graciously, respond kindly, pray positively. And sometimes we can only pray when it comes to our enemies, to those that maybe have something against us or something that we need our heart kind of fixed on. Um, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Such a beautiful example of that was Jesus when he was on the cross and just how he forgave to the end. And then later in Acts, Stephen, the account of when he was stoned. Now imagine that, people being so angry that they were coming to stone him. And the Bible speaks about his response in Acts chapter 7. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him. Imagine how much they must have hated him to do that. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And in his last words, then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. 
And when he said that, he fell asleep. And for me, it's just, it just shows the power of prayer that we can't do and we shouldn't move into enemy realms without being fully covered in prayer because things can go horribly wrong. But the Holy Spirit has the ability to change hearts, to change people's thoughts, to change situations. If you think about our country and just how we were so living in fear of civil war at one stage and people were praying for the country and how there was a peaceful transition, and we still need to be praying for our country. I love that Ellen was praying for our country. We need to be praying for our country. If you're feeling a lack of love for certain people in the country, you need to be praying about it and be praying seriously. Just because you're not in relationship with them doesn't mean that you can't be praying about your relationship with them. And just trust in God. And sometimes the prayer is all we can do. I had an incident last year, and, and it was just a relationship that was really good that turned a little bit sour, and it was because someone had done something that they knew they shouldn't have, and we had agreed upon something, and they, if you understand the situation, it was something that really hurt me and upset me. And at the, at the time that I confronted them, it was straight away, um, I was also pregnant, and I was more emotional. I can admit it. My husband will gladly admit it. I was more emotional than usual, and so I was angry with them, and I spoke badly to them, and I didn't address them the right way, and I also started to cry, which is very unlike me. I'm usually quite even-killed when it comes to sorting issues out. So I even shocked myself. So 20 minutes later, I sat down with this person, I spoke to them, and I apologized. And I said, this is why I responded this way. I was in shock. It was something that put fear in me, what they had done. And, um, and so I apologized. And I thought it was okay. But I realized there was strain in our relationship. And moving forward, they kind of cut me. And so I felt in February this year, I've just felt convicted that I really wanted to just apologize again. And if um, just when I thought more about it, this person had hurt in their life. And what I had done, I, it was really thoughtless. I shouldn't have spoken to them in that way. It was a total emotional response. And they've had a lot of hurt in their life. And so when I thought it through, I thought, I can understand how they don't want to speak to me because they've been hurt by people and I'm just another person that's hurt them. So I um, tried to get a, an appointment with her and she said, oh, I'll get back to you later. And then when I went to my phone again to try a second time, I realized she had blocked me on WhatsApp. <laughs> so I, I just felt so hurt in a way because I was seeking peace. I'm like, Lord, I'm trying to do the right thing here. What should I do? And so I had a, a brainwave and I just sent her a message via my husband's phone because <laughs> it wasn't blocked. And I wasn't trying to pull a fast one on her. I just wanted her to know I loved her. I appreciated her. I was really sorry. Um, and the door was always open. And I hope that one day we will be in relationship. And so for me, I honestly stand here and I say, I have a broken relationship. There's someone who I'm waiting to forgive me, and she hasn't forgiven me yet, and that's just my reality, and I, all I can do right now is pray about it. I was actually even having nightmares about it, and so I just had to surrender that to God and go, also, the devil's starting to use this as something that's making me think, you know, I'm a horrible person, I'm this and that, and just going, that actually isn't. Um, and so there are times in our lives where when people don't want to respond, we just actually have to wait and graciously pray for them, pray for them, pray for them, bless them, put the other principles of speaking graciously, responding kindly put those into action and pray and wait and I trust that this relationship is going to be a testimony of an answer to prayer one day then the next thing is to act divinely verse 45 says that you may be children of your father in heaven he causes the sun to rise on evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous 
And can you see how there's this general love and this evenness about how God treats everyone, that we all benefit from his mercy because he's a good father and he's God the creator. And this is how we call to treat people, to act divinely, to act like him, to be his ambassador on earth. I loved what Shayla had said, and it tied in beautifully about just needing to love people. And that is what we are called to do. And just that when we love people, I just wrote here, it's like an evangelical tool. It's a way that we can witness to others because they'll look and they'll say, see how they love, see how they forgive, see how they like God in every situation. And so acting divinely is acting like our heavenly father. It's showing the world that we are his child and that the way he treats people is the way we need to treat people. And here, I just want to encourage you that, especially if you've got kids growing up in your house, is that they are learning, like sponges, what it's like to treat other people, how they should be treating other people. And you need to be careful what you're saying about people, that they are seeing you speaking blessings and goodness and love even over your enemies. And as I said, how I could look back at my father and see just how he treated certain people, and just seeing that it was a lovely and godly way that spoke to me so strongly. And what message are you giving to your kids when you just speak generally at home? And sometimes, if you actually had to weigh up your words, you might realize that you've actually got quite casual with saying, you know, insulting someone, talking about even just their looks, their physical appearance, their this, their that. That person really irritates us. No, I don't want them here, whatever. And just what are you modeling for your kids? Because you are called as a parent to act divinely, to follow your father so that they can learn what it's like to treat other people. And then live differently. Verse 46 says, If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And when we call to live differently, we aren't called to live like the world lives. You know, so often we can just be in our comfortable little bubble, and this isn't like maybe proactively having enemies, but just not letting people into your life. And this I find particularly challenging. Like, I'm quite an introvert, and I love, like, I can kind of switch to my own world quite easily. When I'm, when I'm walking in the shops, when I'm doing things, I actually just kind of head down, and I just process the day and as a kid I was sent for hearing tests all the time because my teachers thought there was something wrong with me because I would just be daydreaming about I don't know the next great thing I was designing in my head um, and and it's, so sometimes it's quite hard to let people into your world maybe you're just exhausted all the time and so letting other people in is just going to be hard work but you know that doesn't give us, us an excuse there's a command here to live differently to be different to the tax collectors and the pagans and this, for me, often means that if I, if I evaluate my friendships, it's actually my closest friends are people that are very similar to me. They think very similar. You know, they, they're just in this community. I don't always step out into what may, what's kind of uncomfortable. So this one hit me of going, I need to start interacting with the world more. I need to start making like my group of friends more diverse. You know, whether it be age, theological persuasion, whatever it is, I forced myself now when I go to the shops to speak a little bit more to just the teller. And you know, my eyes have been opened. Because what happened for me is that now all of a sudden I'm looking for something to start a conversation. I realize actually the person in front of me spoke very badly to them. 
wow, that's an end. They must actually be hurting. And all of a sudden, when I started looking beyond myself, your eyes start getting open to the hurts around you and to the people around you. And it does get messy. It, gets hard. it becomes hard work because once you know someone's story, you actually need to act on it. You can't just be okay, say goodbye, bless you, <laughs> you know, I'm going to go. And so we need to also stop treating different people that are different to us like enemies. We need to start welcoming people into our little bubble. We need to live differently. The way that we treat others when it's conflict, when we're just making friends, when we're in this community in church, there needs to be a different standard. And once again, if you're a parent, this speaks very loudly to, to kids. Um, I've sometimes been shocked at even just the advice that some parents have given their kids. I can understand how if your kid is facing a hard time, how, at, you know, be it at school, with a teacher, whatever, um, you still need to give them godly advice. It might be really hurting you more than if you had a personal enemy when someone's kind of being mean to your child. But you still need to give them good and godly advice. God calls your child to be different too, to set a different standard. And so they are watching you. So to go through them quickly again, it's speak graciously, respond kindly, pray positively, act divinely, live differently. And, that, and that's simply it. That's how you just get a little bit of relational order in your life again. And just as I close, just the, the words that stood out to me and just summing up everything was to love and pray and to pray. And that's kind of how we keep our house clean and how we stop it from going into disorder again is just from loving and praying the whole time. And when I walk around with an attitude of prayerfulness and love, and that's the way I'm always treating people, you'll see that your relationships will radically change, that you'll let people in that you haven't let in, that you'll start fixing up relationships, that you'll start dealing with things as you should. And I know for some of you this is a very hard thing to hear because you've faced probably completely different hurts to, to what I have. And there are probably people here that right now are even processing some very deep pain, some very deep relational pain. And so I don't want to kind of speak about this glibly and just kind of brush over it. I realize that for some of you, this is a significant hurt in your life. And loving your enemies is a huge calling and it's a painful thing. But God's words are truth and he calls us to be obedient to them. Jesus took these people, and there would have been people suffering significant pain when they sat with him on the mountain and he preached this message to them. But these words are still relevant for us today, and it's still a command. And so I'm just going to be closing in prayer, and we're going to end the service here. Um, but there are people that will pray with you and will speak to you um, if you feel like you need a little bit more prayer in this, in this area. Um, and so not to walk this road alone. I realize for some of you, it's something that you'll need to process with someone else. And speaking is a very important part of it. But I'm also just going to pray that God gives us the boldness and the courage, especially if you're sitting with a relationship that needs to be sorted, that God gives you the boldness and the courage to deal with that this week. So Lord, I thank you for this group of people. As we sit together, Lord, we, we come from different situations. We've grown up differently. Um, for some, there's significant hurt, Lord. We, we know that for some, it's just growing up in broken homes, um, broken relationships. We realize that people have faced hard times in business, Lord, or even just tough friendships and relationships. And Lord, you know exactly where our hurt is, Lord. For some of us, we're on the other side where we need people to forgive us for what we've done. And Lord, with all of these things, we want to take it seriously. We don't want to have enemies along the way, Lord. We don't want to hold grudges against people, but Lord, we need your help. So Holy Spirit, I come and I pray that you'll help us this week. 
This is the kind of thing, message that we can't just leave. As simple as it is, it's a command and we need to obey it. And we know that it's going to be big for some. So Holy Spirit, we just pray for your empowering, your deep ministry over people this week, Lord. We just pray for unity in the church. We pray that you will help us to guard our mouths, to guard our hearts, to guard our minds when it comes to relationships with others in the church. So, Lord, we just entrust everything to you, and we say continue, Lord, continue to grow us, continue to make us more like you. We thank you for these words when you taught us how to live. Amen. So we're going to end there. If you would like someone to pray with you, stay behind. If you're willing to pray with someone, please stay behind as well. Thank you very much.